Welcome. You're listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Visit us on the web at vedanta.org. Om Vidita Kilo Shastro Shudha Jalodhi Mahito Panishad Kathitarthanide Ridae Kalae Bimalam Charanam Babashankaradeshiko Me Charanam Babashankaradeshiko Me Charanam Om Shanti 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 O Shankara, kindly become the sole refuge in my life. You are the teacher, world teacher. You are the knower of all the scriptures, which are like the ocean of nectar. You are the abode of the teachings, of the truths mentioned in the great Upanishads. I meditate in my heart, the pure self, pure Om peace, peace, peace be unto us all. Good morning. And today our topic is uh, Shankara, which is the Shankara, you know, the Advaita Vedanta, the philosophy for which this Vedanta society is standing here. It is because of this Shankara. The ancient wisdom of India, which is still preserved, the Vedic wisdom, the glorious expression of the absolute infinite truth which has been experienced and preached in the world, which has saved the lives of infinite number of souls who are seeking for the ultimate truth are greatly indebted to this Shankara. He was born in 563 BC. A unique personality, a unique presence in the history of India where all the Vedic culture was getting going to be destroyed. At that critical juncture, actually, the advent of this great soul, Shankara, saved India, and not only India, the world, from this treasure of this infinite wisdom, which was getting distorted and misinterpreted. So, you know the India, India's greatest heritage is the sages, the saints, who have experienced the truth in its absolute aspect. Truth in the relative is always confusing. Truth in the duality is always confusing. There will be your view, my view. My mind, your mind. My mind interprets one way, your mind interprets another. And there is always this conflict and fight. Solution comes when the mind which creates this confusion and minds also which shows the truth that impure mind when it is destroyed totally or it gets merged into the reality which is the absolute and when one goes into that level all doubts all confusions end into zero and there is nothing but only the truth and truth remains and that is the absolute truth timeless, spaceless, where all reasoning stop and it is beyond our comprehension 
Because this mind, our comprehension, we comprehend things through our mind only, our intellect only. These are the greatest tool. But that truth which is beyond and which pervades everything cannot be perceived through the mind and to the intellect. This truth has been experienced not by one sage or saint. Numberless, infinite number of sages and saints have experienced and then they have expressed those truths which has been an oral tradition came down to the centuries and millennium from mouth to mouth, from the teacher to the student. I have experienced the truth, say ancient sages say, and you are also fit to do that. It is not any exclusive that I am the only owner of this property and it's my sole copyright. There is no copyright in Vedanta. Vedanta is the free. It can be anywhere in the world. Anyone can realize the truth. And they will be feeling the same experience that that which does not die, that which does not born, that which cannot be destroyed, that is me, that is here. And that truth is to be experienced day and night in the movement of life. What a great contribution of this ancient India on this aspect, that we have a higher dimension of life which we have forgotten and that can be achieved and recovered. It is not recovered. It is, it is, it is said that Vedanta teaches that which you are your own, you regain it. Only you forgot about that. It's not, not like, oh, you are going to do some spiritual practice and struggle to reach something which you don't possess. It is already yours. Only you have forgotten. And because of this misconception, because of this forgetfulness, you are crying, you are weeping, you are becoming a beggar in the world, thinking that, oh, who is there to help me? I want little peace, I want little joy, who can give me? And knocking at the doors of every temples and churches and mosques and caves and uh, holy forests and everywhere. But that truth is here and now and all the time it is here. And to rediscover that, that is the goal of Advaita Vedanta. Such a philosophy. Such a truth, it got totally messed up in the annals of history. The sages expressed this, that I have realized that truth. Srinanta Vishwe Amritasya Putraha Aye Dhamani Dibyanitasthu Vedahumitam Purusham Mahantam Aditya Varanam Tamashaparastvat what a clarion call of the ancient rishis of the ancient Upanishads. Srinanta Vishwe, listen, people in the whole universe. Not only the planet earth, if there are other subtle gods and goddesses in the heaven and angels in the ends in any plane. Listen, I have realized the truth. Veda aham etam. That Mahanta, that grand, that great, that luminous self, 
beyond all darkness beyond all suffering all duality i have realized that vedahamitam purusham mahantam adityavan who is like light effulgence which is beyond all tamasa parastvat beyond all darkness all ignorance and tam eva vidityavati mrityumeti you want to cross the ocean of birth and death you want to get out of your fear every day the life or is fearful to die to lose something you want to get out of it tam eva vidityava no that truth only tam eva vidityo otimrittumeti no annapantha there is no other path and that is the only path to realize the truth that is knowing who you are and that have been forgotten and then the shankara's advent revived that truth and that was again revived in the modern age by ramakrishna vivekananda and vivekananda brought this tale his powerful statement i want to bring the experience and the wisdom of the upanishads which was hidden in the forests and caves into the broad daylight of the society in every home let everyone know that truth that i am divine i am pure i am stainless that was the same principle it is that's why it is called shankara was born out of shiva's grace and it is also considered sami vivekananda also came out of shiva's grace anyhow those are story whatever you want to avoid but mythical things come because we live in the duality but the point is that this very important thing is that what shankara contributed is unique not that yes brought something new which was not there but the truth which was already experienced and forgotten and getting messed up with different types of concepts of divinity that was revived again that period when it came is a critical point in the condition of indian spiritual tradition and indian spiritual history that was the time when is a period of decadence of buddhism buddhism has started with buddha intense renunciation intense spirit of searching for the truth this life is to know that truth when he gave up everything even the all kingly pleasures that person that renunciation that inner search and his influence actually revived the whole of the country everyone is taking the path of renunciation for search of nirvana or eternal freedom and that tremendous spirit of spiritual practice intense sadhana or austerities and spiritual practices was forgotten and it came to the point lowest point of it when spirituality became so many mundane things in life a mundane it's become so mundane means it was sculpture art literature that those things grew but the spirit of this buddhist buddhos ideas was lost ah uh, this life is dukkha full of suffering and this life is all changing birth and death and decay its cycle goes on and on and on so this momentariness to understand this momentariness that is the first point if you understand that momentariness you detach from it and then what remains what remains he didn't say anything 
some say shunna, some say whatever Purno Vedanta says, but matters little. He attained that nirvana, the state of total freedom, but that philosophy was lost and then become very highly intellectual people, logic, argument. They become expert in bad logicians. Lawyers are good, but sometimes law, lawyer also had fight the case. And for that, whether right or wrong, you have to argue for that. So it is like that. They become bad logicians. And they argued and argued and argued to un- only intellectually only coming to this point that this is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing. And therefore, live the life as you want to live. Like any worldly life, that was one. And then came that Prabhakar, Mishra and others who were few spiritual people were really living that life isolated and thinking what is the decadence of Hindu religion. The Vedic religion is being lost. And then they forgot the karmakandas. You have to purify yourself. Not mere talking of Vedantic principle or Buddhistic philosophy does not do anything. You have to purify your mind. So do some karmakanda, do some Vedic karmakanda. But Vedic karmakanda, Buddhism does not accept Vedas. Therefore the karmakanda is also uh, from the bathtub, the baby was thrown away. So both things are gone. Now they are in that religion, there is no karmakanda. And this, this whole country become free from Vedic culture. Then this Mandan Mishra, Prabhakar. And so these are the, they felt the need of reviving the Vedic culture. So then with much struggle, there is a big story, I'm not going to that, that he, uh, this Prabhakar Mishra and others, uh, Kumaril Bhatta, is a famous name uh, in, in revival of the Vedic culture first. But he emphasized that you do karma, do this ritual and achieve whatever you want, step by step. Vedas divided into two segments, you all know. One is Karmakanda, means focused on karma, from ritualistic worship, sacrificial fire, oblation, and you achieve whatever you want to achieve, starting from material gain to go to heaven, or any other occult power you want to get, you can get by performing those rituals. And then, after attaining this, you understand the futility of these things. That does not satisfy you. You can get great miraculous power, but that will end someday. When you understand that, then you search for something higher, perpetual, and that is the Vedanta, or the ultimate truth, ultimate knowledge. So now, this Kumaril Bhatta, he was one of the famous person. He learned uh, under a Buddhist a teacher, and he lied there, <laughs> thinking that I am a, really I want to be a Buddhist student. But actually, his intention is the to know the weak points of Buddhistic logic, because they are all logician. So you have to defeat them. You have to know their inner points. Nowadays, Google search you can get everything, but in those days there is no Google search. You have to go to the teacher to learn one to one. And when he was doing that. And he learned all the weak points of that. And there is a story that he ultimately renounced and was exposed that he is not a Buddhist. He is a Vedantist. Or he is a Vedic person. A person who believes the philosophy of the Vedas. 
So afterwards he left and he then went to the length and breadth of the country, India. Wherever there is Buddhist organization, he went and counter-argument his was asking. The, those days that was the simple formula. Anyone to challenge, I challenge you. You belong to Buddhism, I belong to say Vedanta or Vedas. Whoever will conquer or who will in the debate will be um, gain. So other party will have to be a disciple of that. Meaning you give up your own own practice and religious practices. So this and Prabhakar actually did a big change in the Indian context and conquered all the pseudo-Buddhists who in the name of Buddhism gave up the principles of Buddhism only intellectually very powerful and getting deluded themselves and also getting deluded, making others deluded. So in this moment, in this process, it was going on and on. And then he ultimately gave his or these lessons to his disciples and Mandan Mishra, Prabhakar Mishra, etc. And now Shankar, when he was born in that period, they, they, it is the two, he had to fight two opponent parties. Because they are all logicians, then you will have to put logic, logic against logic. So Shankar has to fight with the Buddhists who are only bad logicians and saying everything is Shunna, nothing is there, but no renunciation, no spirit of austerity and practice. And this Karmakanda, they only feel, do homophire and ask for this mantra, chant this mantra, this, repeat this and put this oblation and this and you go to whatever, you want to go to heaven? Of course, Hindus have several heavens. So, which heaven you want to go? Uh, there are different types of celebrations you have to do. Uh, if you want to go to lower heaven, higher heaven, seven heavens are there. Uh, so, uh, much pleasurable places. No, only not only that one heaven. So, this four-star hotel, five-star hotel, seven-star hotel, all these types of concepts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the, he wanted to um, have to counteract that that is not the goal. Going to heaven is not the goal because that will be monotony. Suppose you get every day ice cream, then what becomes of you after one month, two months, every day you like ice cream, I give you ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, breakfast, lunch, supper, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. What will happen? It will be a torture. <laughs> So, so even you go to heaven, it is not a very, very enjoyable place because it will be monotony afterwards. So, and that is his weakness and that has a weak point because it is achieved. Anything we achieve, there is a chance to lose it. Is it not? Anything we achieve in life, we achieve youth, youth is lost. We achieve money, stock market, it goes down. By chance you can hold your money after that. Now it is no, no higher yielding money, income. So, so anything you achieve, you achieve heaven. Because of what? Because you did some karma. No, if you have done with karma, and when the effect of the karma will be over, as like medical doses of medicine. So you have some headache. So you take one pill and finished. Whole life is gone. 
No, today it is gone, but tomorrow morning again it starts. The effect, karma, work has its effect. So you gain anything by karma, good karma, you're a good person, you're a charitable person, you have given gift to people, but that karma, as it has a beginning, it has an end. Because it is an effect, effect of anything, cause, effect. So Shankara then had to fight wherever their Buddhistic organization strongly opposing Vedanta, they are against Vedanta. Because they say it is Shunna. Shankara will have to say, no, it is Purna. <laughs> That's a big fight. How can we say it is void versus it is full? Two opposite ideas, no? But Shankara always have to do that, one. And second point is that this Karmakanda of the Vedic rituals, which was again revived. Actually, it, it did a great thing to revive, go back to the Vedic culture. And then as they started, they forget about the next goal. They, they got stuck into the first step. You want eternal joy? This karma cannot give you. Any karma you do, it has maybe lingering effect, shorter effect, lengthy effect. But because it is gained by karma, you earn by doing something. You may be millionaire. But if million will be zero one day, or it will be losing. You may be billionaire, billion will go down. But you want to be eternal, absolute? Then you have to go back to this Vedic wisdom of realization. So you needed a person and that was Shankara was born. You know this story because Shankara's story, again we repeat the same thing. You know Shankara was born in a Nambudri family, in a Brahmin family in Kerala. You can go and visit his place, even now it is there. And uh, when he was born, his horoscope says that he will be only living for eight years. And from the very birth, this voice of extraordinary prodigy of remembering things, listening anything once, must it is he he's, he's got it. Once you read Upanishads or any scripture, then he has already mastered that. This extraordinary genius became actually his natural early days grew like that, and within eight years of time. He became a great scholar and his unique spiritual personality became very interesting to all the people who are following the life in spiritual practicing and trying to understand. So eight years Shankar then wanted to, he thought that what about my life? Life is ending soon. So he wanted that he thought that he had not realized the highest. He thought that he has not realized the highest. As Ramakrishna did not Realize that he has realized mother at the beginning. No. It is because he is born as a human being, he behaves like that of a human being. So, eight years' life is too short a span of life. He thought that if I take a shannas, then I'll realize the highest truth because Vedanta teaches that. At the time of shannas, when you give up everything for God and all total renunciation comes, your heart becomes so pure and the truth illumines in your heart. So he was asking for begging permission from mother to give him. But only one child and widow mother were very dependent on him, could not give permission. But mother's heart still was trying to hold on. But a miraculous story happened. One day there is a river and Aloai River is the name of the Aloai River. And then mother and the son both went to have a 
deep into the river. That is the village people also come. Suddenly, a crocodile came and caught the boy, eight years boy. Eight years, few months, yet to be eight years. So, and crocodile caught the boy and then pulling. And Shankara then started, Ma, mother, give me permission to be a monk. Give me permission to be a monk. See, crocodile is carrying me. And mother actually at that point, seeing that situation, he said, Okay, Baba, you you, you be saved first. You, you take Shannas, I grant it. And suddenly this crocodile disappeared. That's a miraculous story. And then Shankara came back and saluted mother. And then Sarj went on giving assurance that mother, I will make it sure that when you remember me, I will come before you. That's first condition. Whenever you need me, I will be there. First point. Second point, I will make you, it's sure that you realize your chosen ideal. You have your God vision. I will make it sure. So these ideas was, with this permission, this boy, eight years boy, started searching for Guru. And to Guru, as we said, nowadays you don't need any Guru. Google is Guru. But a Siri, Siri is Guru. You say, Siri, please, whatever, I am surprised. Whatever you ask, it gives the reply. And now you have to go to Guru. So you have to walk, walk, walk. He's from the south, southern part of India. And the eight years boy searching for a Guru. Where is the Guru? Who can be the right type of Guru for an incarnation-like thing? There should be a realized soul. Yes, one great soul was waiting for the birth of Shankara. On the bank of the Narmada. What is his address? Where is the Guru lives? His name is Govindapad. Govinda is the name of the Guru. And where he lives, address, care of, on the bank of Mississippi. What will be that? You understand? To find a Guru in such position like whole river, Narmada, about 700 miles. Somewhere he lives. So this, this, this boy started searching for Guru and went from door to door and found ultimately on the bank of Narmada that many old people are waiting to get the blessings of the Guru, the teacher. But the Guru is in Samadhi, in the cave. There is a cave. I do not know. Is it the same cave? I went. And people said that yeah, this, is the, this is the cave. Maybe in, in hundreds of years, uh, what is the real situation? It has moved. But it is believed that is the place where his Guru lived. And he went to uh, Guru, but he wanted to see the Guru. But, but the teachers, all other People are waiting outside. They said, Ari, you came today and you want to meet him? We are waiting since so many years that he is in Samadhi. When he comes down from Samadhi, we do not know. Some people put some fruits and something in the entrance point of the cave. He can come from Samadhi. It may remain there days. Sometimes he may come sometimes. But we have no communication. But he was earnest. He said, no, no, no. I want to see him. So, he forcefully entered and he chanted a beautiful uh, verse in Sanskrit because he is prodigious in his composition and other things. So, and this, this, this guru was meditating in deep samadhi. He gradually opened the eyes and he was so charmed seeing this child of eight years. And then he said, oh, I was waiting for you, holding the treasure from my guru, Gaudapada. You know the Gaudapada? who has written the commentary on Mandukko Upanishad. Mandukko Karika is one of the greatest 
saint of India. And I am holding that wisdom of the Vedas to transfer it, given it to somebody who can really preserve it and spread it to the world. And then he got the blessings and this beautiful description is there. As soon as he heard from Guru's mouth the mantras, that Mahabhakas, the great dictum, now what that? Shankara immediately went to Samadhi. He is a ready student, ready teacher, like Swami Vivekananda and Ramakrishna. Or Ramakrishna and Totapuri. Totapuri came and he gave something within three days and Ramakrishna went into Samadhi. Finished. The goal of life is accomplished. And after that, then Shankara was very full of wisdom and knowledge and he was happy and he saluted the Guru. But says Guru said, no. He said, my life is eight years. Now I'm closing eight years, so so I shall leave this. But he said, no. Now you got this, you have the realization. You will have to compose the commentary on the Upanishads and Brahma Sutra. In, the, in, in spiritual tradition of India, anyone wants to be a student of Vedanta, it means you should have to learn the Upanishads, you should have to learn the Bhagavad Gita, you have, and you have to know the Brahma Sutras. Brahma Sutras are the common aphorisms composed by Vyasa, the Lord Vyasa. So, he ordered him to do that. But it takes time. Then he said, okay, you go and go to Benaras, Kashi, eternal Kashi, Benaras. You go there and write the commentaries on these commentaries. So, he went there and he started writing the commentaries on all these texts. And the whole of Benaras, the, it was the seat of learning. Benaras University is very famous. There and all the scholars used to assemble around him and then learn under him. So he created some students' group and finished his task given by his guru. One day it is finished, he is now 8 plus 8, 16 years old. So he had the concept that his duty is done. But divine will is something. He said that you have then... He was going to, every day, there is a tradition, a monk or devotee go to take a dip in the Ganga, Holy Ganga, and goes to the Shiva temple, which is called Vishwanath temple in Canon Benaras. And he understands only this much. Shankara's mind is in high peak of non-dual reality. But if mission is something to serve the whole society, where God the transcendent, God the immanent. So he had no concept of immanent. His mind is shooting so high, always in the peak of non-dual. That to, how to bring him down? So one day, there is a story that Mother Rannapurna, who is the embodiment of Shakti, cosmic Maya, by which whose play this whole universe seems so real, is the same reality in this form. So she wanted to teach Sankara the last lesson. And then what happened? He was coming from the Ganges, taking a bath to go to Shiva temple. And then on, on the way, Shankara found that one lady is blocking the road entrance, which is the leading to the entrance of the Shiva temple. And her husband died. She is lamenting, blocking the road. Shankara says, she knows he's all Maya, no? Vedanta, first we all read and get confused like that. It's all Maya. 
So, with all my, what is there? So she, he asked, Mother, why are you blocking my path, the road leading to the Shiva temple? Make your way out. That mother said, Oh, Shankara, you say, why don't you tell this dead body to move? Shankara laughed and said, what type of argument is this? This dead body can move. Why not? You say, absolute Brahman is the ultimate reality. So, this whole world is ultimate reality. Then, you don't accept the Prakriti, you don't accept the Maya, you don't accept the Mahamaya. So, without the Prakriti's help, let the world move. In a flash, Shankara got this point. Wow! The transcendent reality, that becomes immanent. And in this immanence, it is nothing but the transcendental. A transcendental and immanent, both are true. You have to see the ornament and also see the gold. Not only the ornament, but the gold also. So the gold is the one characteristic behind everything. The ocean, water, behind all the ripples and waves. And the activity level, it is all under Maya. And there it is not Maya means quite something. But Maya means that which appears to act in this duality. So in this duality, what you are seeing, you are seeing the same reality. And that he got this wisdom. Now, so he was totally overwhelmed and felt compassion to do something for the world. But still, he thought my 16 years is now done. So, I am free. So he wanted to leave the body. He's planning like that. My work is done. So he made disciples and the disciples will preach this Vedic wisdom. And my Guru's word, I have done my duty. And one day, suddenly one old man, very very senior person with matted lock and he appeared and appeared suddenly. In India it happens that you need not have to introduce yourself. You need not that you come and hello and then start. So this man came and the Shankara was teaching his students and that, that, that bearded man with wisdom. So he appeared and said, yes, you wrote this commentary on Brahma Sutras. I have some question. And anyone, any, any scholar comes to another scholar and asks this question, you will have to respond. So he said, yes, sir, come. So they started questioning and Shankar was trying to respond to that question. And seeing that standard of the question, it is so subtle and so sublime. The scholars all gathered around this during the conversation period. So one day, first day it went on. It was non-conclusive. Shankara gives argument, he gives further argument, and then he gives further argument, he gives, and it goes into a very subtle level of distinction. Sunna, Purna, like that, we get confused even now today in, in Buddhism and Vedanta. But it is, it is only that it is really very crucial because Shankara has, in his commentary, just confronted with the Buddhistic idea and nullified their views and put that Vedantic fullness is that ultimate truth. And Shankara also just demolished the idea that karma cannot be ultimate goal. So two views were there and this argument is going on between this old man and the new. Two days, three days, no solution. And then Padmapada, one of his disciples, he said uh, to Shankara, who is this guy? See, three days passed, they are debating between them. They do not know who are the other person. 
who is challenging this question. What is his name? Where does he live? Anyhow, this is India. They don't care for your other things, only the philosophy and this essential teachings of what you are carrying, ideology. And then what happened? At the end of the third day, Sankara requested, Sir, would you please tell me, who are you? And then the old man just showed his divine form. He is the Vyasa himself appeared and said, I am very pleased, Sankara, with you. You have written the commentary as I intended to write. I bless you. And then he said, Wah, so. And he said, Sankara saluted the uh, divine form. Vyasa appeared and Vyasa gave that analysis went on and he supported the explanation. And then he said, okay, so my duty is done, please. Now 16 years, I am over. I said, no, 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 no. You cannot die. I, I will give you another 16 years life. Another 16 years of life after this, what's the meaning? No, sir, I cannot stay. I'm 16 years is enough. This word is enough for me, 16 years. Then he said, no, no, no. You have to preach this Vedanta to the length and breadth of this country and it's in its own glory. That is your task now. He said that I have done that by writing the commentary, my guru said. Well, yes, writing of commentary is important. Because words of mouth get distorted. No. If you say something and ask 20 people what you heard, 20 persons will be there of the same theme. Because it is human. Perception is like that. You write it, people cannot deny it. What is written, you can refer that at any point. So you have done that. That's good. And you have made some of the disciples. That's good. But... Teaching does not depend on writing books or on some few disciples. You have the knowledge and full wisdom with your knowledge in it, in yourself and your words. That will carry tremendous impact. Spirituality is to be conveyed. It is not taught by intellectualism. Intellectually you can perceive something to make it your life, to feel that you are that. You need to have that potential power to transmit that. Ramakrishna, what he did? He's an ordinary person. After experiencing what he says, people must have to listen to that. Look at that case option, the world-renowned scholar, auditor, this, that. Who cares for a poor Brahmin who has not gone to school even, have the preliminary school teaching? What comes out of that? He has to accept it. So, He's, he argued and told Vyasa argued and tell that now this is your mission. You are to do this, preach this Vedantic truth of freedom to the whole universe. No? And he, at least that time in India. But it is not so easy. Nowadays we have train, plane, we, we think what is that? But think of a man walking from the north to south, east to west, and all the major cities and changing the views of the spiritual ideal of India, getting confused. It is debating, putting argument and putting his extraordinary spiritual life, transforming their life and giving a touch of non-dual experience and went on and the whole India. He conquered in that way with all his humility and things. People sometimes think that 
Shankara is Advaita Vedanta. But you come, look at the compositions of Shankara on, on the different stotras or compositions on mother worship and prayer to mother, Narmada, Ashtakam, uh, Annapurna, Stotra and other. It is impregnated with such joy and such loving adoration. It is not non-dual. Non-dual and dual, he has merged these two. But as a philosophy, he had to preach this for the good of the world. So this is in nutshell the life of Shankara and his contribution. People still now have to accept his unparalleled contribution. But what is this philosophy? Philosophy, I'll, I'll just touch that because we always talk about that philosophical aspect of Shankara. What is this Shankara says? In a, what he said, we can remember in our life, not going to the deep philosophical conflicts, he said only simple word. What is the essence of Vedantic teaching or what he taught? He said, Brahma Satyam. Brahman, the absolute truth is the only reality. Brahma Satyam, it is truth and truth alone. This Jagat, this world we see, it is Mitha. What is Mitha means? Mitha means false. False means what? It is hallucination? No, it is not hallucination. It is called the, his greatest philosophy is Vivartavada. Vivartavada is one philosophy. There are Purinamavada, Vivartavada. These are the major two ideas. There are many philosophies, but I am talking, just focusing on these two points. Vivartavada is that without changing the original thing. You can have misconception about that. If you look at that, and you can misconceive it. And Purinamavada is that the material which you are thinking, which you are seeing, it is converted into another, cannot come back. So you, you milk, if you, you, it becomes curd or yogurt. You cannot bring back the curd or yogurt back to milk. But Bivartha means it is a rope. You have misconception that it is a snake. The misconception goes, rope remains rope. It is all the divine. It's all Satchidananda. Absolute bliss. Absolute consciousness and absolute reality. The whole world is permeated with that, that blissful state of reality. That is called Brahman. That never undergoes any change. But I see the change. Yes, you saw change when? When you are in ignorance. When you cried out, snake, snake, snake. When you are in darkness. And you are walking and trampled over one rope and you hit it and you said, Oh, I am bitten by the snake. And you cry and weep. But when you bring the light, flashlight, then you see, no, 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 no. All the time it was rope. Rope has never changed into snake. Snake changed into your mind. Your mind interpreted it. And why the mind interpreted? Because there is the darkness. There is the ignorance. So, so long we are in ignorance, we see the multiplicity. Because you see the multiplicity does not mean there is multiple objects in the universe. There is only one and that is me. That is my divine nature. That cosmic consciousness. That cosmic reality. That is the only reality. Only you misconceive because of your mind. And mind means ignorance. So long the mind, so long the ignorance. And mind creates. 
many things. Like, do you believe that mind creates many things? Do you believe? You be, particularly, you think about your dream. Every day, how many things you create? Who creates there? Your mind creates the whole world. How many people you create there? Anyone goes to put those people in your dream? That means your mind has the capability to create the whole world. Sun, moon, stars, human being, freeway, grass, attack, gun, or whatever. Dancing, singing, eating, everything. You create everything your mind creates. But is it true? Well, no. Why? Because when you dream breaks, you see it is not there. But what about this? Shankara says, this is a daydream. It is a night dream. It is a daydream. When you will be awakened from this daydream, you will see these are all, these dream formulas and figures, dream activities, are all will dissolve. But then you will be void? No. It is all permeated with, by that one absolute truth. Brahma Satyam Jagad Mitha. But who are the Jiva? You, me, all this? We are all Jiva, Brahma, Eva. I am Brahman as you are Brahman. And what is Brahman? This cosmic reality, which is manifesting to this body-mind, is called the Jiva. Same consciousness, when added with the individual mind and individual emotions and individual understanding, my body-mind and complex comes with that same consciousness, appears like this. The same consciousness there, appearing because of the mind, individual mind. Mind has different densities of cloud. Mind is like cloud. It has different levels of density. And density of thickness of the cloud, lighter, brighter, mean people are totally blind mind. There is no light coming through them, no love, no compassion, no empathy. Nothing can be manifested. Purer mind, clear mind, you see the light coming forth. Their love, their compassion, their dedication, their service, that becomes the expression. So, but the truth is the eternal sun. Eternal sun, that is the conscious entity. It is light, it is bliss, it is joy, it is all the time. So that you are, that I am. This apparent name and form is only conjecture of the mind and it is a daydream. So, let this dream break. And then we become what we are. And we are eternal. There is no death. Death of this physical body will happen. Death of this mind will happen. But I will be not dying. I will be what I am. I was, I am, I was, I will be. All are one. And that is this ultimate truth. And Shankara bounded on this idea and gave this gift to the world for the good of humanity. Thank you. And I close with this chant and then we'll have, after greeting, we'll have our question answer. Please come. Om Karuna Baruna Alayo Palayo Maam Bhavashagaru Dukkha Viduna Hridam Rachaya Kiladarshana Tattavidam Babashankara Deshiko Me Sharanam Om Shanti 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 O Shankara, you are the ocean of mercy. Please protect me from this ocean of cycles of births and deaths. 
which has tormented my heart. You are the knower of the supreme truth, which is the theme of all the Upanishads, who has been expressed in speech and writing. May you, O Shankara, become the sole refuge of me. Om, peace, peace, peace be unto us all. You've been listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Thanks for listening.